Welcome to Autism Stories, where we connect you with amazing people that help teens and adults with autism become more independent and successful. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Most people know about the five senses, touch, taste, smell, what we hear, and uh, what we see. On a previous episode of Autism Stories, we talked with Kelly Mahler about the sixth sense, interoception, which is the sense of the internal state of our body. If you haven't heard that episode, I recommend you go back and give it a listen because oftentimes we don't know as much about interoception and that episode uh, really kind of clues us in to that. So all of our senses really have a profound way on the way we view the world from moment to moment and how it truly shapes our behavior. Today we're going to talk with Molly Dan about just that, how sensory processing affects all the different aspects of our lives. Molly is a self-advocate with a passion for bringing autism awareness and advocacy to the Cleveland, Ohio area. She works at Milestones Autism Resources as an administrative assistant. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Molly, thank you very much for joining us today. So here in Cleveland, we have uh, an excellence con- conference every year, the Milestones National Autism Conference. Um, at this year's conference, you will be a self-advocate panel discussing sensory issues. So for those that don't know about the Milestones Conference, can you tell us a little bit more about the conference and how uh, people can go about getting more information about it? for individuals with ASD, family members, and professionals. Our conference features local and national experts in the field. We have two really cool keynotes this year. Uh, Michelle Garcia, winner, who is a speech-language pathologist and founder of Social Thinking, and then Haley Moss, who is my personal favorite, um, who's a self-advocate, author, and an artist. Uh, We also have 50 exhibitors showcasing autism services and products. So, um, our registration is now open, and, and you can register at milestones.org. Uh, and then um, individuals with ASD and full-time students can register anytime for just $50 for both days, and we also have scholarships available. Um, and the, the Milestones Conference was the first place I ever spoke about autism in 2012, and it opened up a, a door to self-advocacy for me. Uh, I've attended and spoken at every conference since. Um, and the thing I really love about Milestones is they don't just include people on the spectrum, but they, they, they know that we are the best experts 
experts about ourselves and about ASD. So I think the conference really highlights that. That's great. So today I wanted to talk to you about uh, the effect of sensory issues on adults with autism. Now, I know you were recently married. Congratulations. Yeah. How do sensory issues for you play a role in, in your relationship? Uh, he's pretty understanding about it. He doesn't get it, but he understands that it's things that I need to do. So I really get to control my um, environment at home because I can't control the sensory experiences anywhere else. So I'm able to have, like, the smells I want, the textures, uh, for, like a fabric or furniture. Um, so he's really understanding about that because I know he hates lavender, lavender, sorry, and everything in my house is uh, lavender because it's my favorite. Um, and he also, he, I also really think he likes the positive um, sensory experiences. I have, a like, a favorite type of concrete that I like to walk on, um, and he thinks it's really cute, I think, whenever I have to stop and just, like, step on it for a couple minutes just to um, enjoy the sound. So he he uh, he, understa- he gets and understands the negative, and he really appreciates the positive about it. So what what type of concrete is this? I'm not, I'm not too uh, familiar with what different types of concrete. Um, it, it kind of feels like a chalkboard, which I really like. So I don't know what it's called, but he promised that when we buy a house, he can um, pour the entire driveway of this concrete so I uh, have it. <laughs> Now, what what about when you go into the community? Are there particular types of places that really aren't sensory f- friendly to you? And and what type of strategies have you developed to deal with these places? Uh, well, unfortunately, pretty much anywhere I go is not um, sensory friendly. I have really bad um, auditory processing issues. Uh, so more than like one voice at a time can overwhelm me. Uh, so I usually try to either go with my husband or a friend when I have to run errands or um, try to go like right after I take my anxiety meds with headphones in to kind of just utilize the best period of time where it's, um, I won't be as anxious and, or I try to go after midnight because um, because of the autism, I'm guessing I don't sleep very well. So uh, I use that to my advantage as well because not a lot of people are at Walmart at four in the morning. So. No, no. Really early or really late, there's not much of a crowd. So what about, like, in group settings? Is that, is that, is that difficult because of all the different voices that are occurring? It, it can be, but um, the, the people I hang out with know that if I just, like, start staring off into space and I'm not paying attention, they don't really uh, think it's weird or they, they understand that I'm just, like, it's too much and I'm just kind of zoning out. So if it gets to be too much, I can kind of do that and... Uh, my friends understand, which is really nice. Now, with the clients of Autism Personal Coach, many have talked about how their sensory needs can be affected by their daily schedule, such as college, work, or just the general daily demands of being an adult. Uh, for you, for you, how do you go about balancing all of this so you are not dealing with sensory overload? has gotten um, pretty good at ignoring it. So, like, uh, with the more than one voice talking, if there's a bunch of voices talking, my brain, instead of trying to pick out an individual conversation to follow, which is horrendous, it just kind of blurs them all together, which helps a lot. 
And then I also have gotten really good at uh, realizing when I have about like 30 minutes to get home before a meltdown could occur. So um, if I'm running errands and I, I, I just feel overwhelmed, I can just turn to whoever I'm with and I'm like, okay, we got a good 30 minutes before uh, we need to get out of here. So I can usually finish uh, what I'm doing and I'm able to get home before anything uh, happens. And then I also try to make sure I give myself days when like, I do nothing but sit at home or um, and play Sims or read because that can help balance out the days where I don't really get to have a break. Is that like... Is that like set like uh, on like a weekly basis or like a by needed basis? Um, usually, because um, my husband works nights occasionally on the weekends, so I usually have like one night at least a weekend where I have n- nobody around and I can just be as autistic as I like and um, just not have to to do anything social. So um, it's not really planned, but it usually works out. Mm. Now, in doing research, I learned that you uh, visited uh, legislators in Columbus with the goal of sharing your ideas of having a mandatory program for police officers to learn how to deal with those with autism. What would you like police officers to know about interacting with people with autism from a sensory perspective? policeman while driving, even if it's just for like a minor traffic stop, uh, can be traumatizing. I've been, I, I've been lucky. I haven't been pulled over that many times. And, um, but the times I have, I've been breathalyzed. I've had my car searched. Um, just because when a cop comes up to me with the lights flashing and the sirens, I get on my sensory overload and my anxiety just, uh, spiral out of control. So it seems like I'm on drugs, um, or Drunk, so they uh, do all those things. Even when I tell them that I can't walk in a straight line, no matter what, they'll don't believe me. Um, so I also really want them to know that I was not in that state of mind while I was driving. I it only happened because the lights and the fires and the possibility I could get in trouble kind of occur. So uh, that's that's the most important thing is that they know that. When they stop an autistic person, they most likely weren't driving while having a panic attack. Um, That just happens because they got pulled over. Is there anything the police can do to be helpful in this when they do have to stop you or or someone else? I have papers now that um, state that I have a communication disorder um, from my doctor, so I can, I hand them that, or I haven't, well, I haven't had a chance and hopefully don't have a chance to use it, but um, to, to state that I might be having some anxiety, some sensory issues, and just to please work with me if I need to step away from the lights or uh, step away from the noise a little bit, and then I also um, have a list of my medications uh, with my doctor's signature as well, because I have gotten questioned, because I do take many medications and I have to have them on me, so I've been questioned about, like, why do you have these? What do you use these for? So I make sure that I have a list of all of those as well to kind of just cut down on any trouble. Now, it seems to me with what you've already done, you're a person who's passionate about educating the world and helping others with autism find their voice. So what is your goal about how you're going to continue to do this in the future? I really want to continue to speak and then also 
write about my experiences being on the spectrum. Uh, so far, I've been published on The Mighty, and I'm working on a blog that I hopefully can uh, get up soon. Um, and then I also, my goal this year especially is to develop a presentation um, about sensory issues for local and national conferences. And then I also um, really want to create a training for first responders mm-hmm. um, so I can come and educate them in person about autism well that's great and when your blog is up let us know about it okay (laughs) well well thank you very much molly for joining us today it was greatly appreciated thank you for having me thank you for listening to today's episode and thank you to molly for the conversation molly touched on this but the world is not a very sensory friendly place at all And having a plan to deal with this is really crucial. And this is something that Autism Personal Coach, we do quite often with our clients. Dealing with overstimulation can be a very daunting task. And recognizing the onset of overload and setting limits of when to go to certain places, two strategies that Molly talked about can be very helpful. Did you know that Autism Personal Coach saves people with autism from feeling alone and being isolated? So often, teens and adults with autism struggle with an anxiety and, as a result, don't have success in their lives. Autism Personal Coach is a unique service in that we help those with autism by working on meaningful, individualized goals in the setting in which they will be used, so their anxiety is greatly reduced, and as a result, they can become more independent and successful. To get an autism coach for a loved one or yourself, it's very easy. All you have to do is email autismpersonalcoach at yahoo.com or call 216-336-5889 and request a coach today. On next week's episode, we will talk with Katie Hatmaker, who is part of the Autism Spectrum Evaluation Team of the Cleveland Clinic Children's Center for Autism. We will discuss with her about evaluating those for autism spectrum disorder. Talk to you then.